Hey everyone, welcome to Be The Change. My name is Lily Mott, and today I'm going to be talking about how change comes when you do the unsexy work. This week's guest is Ruhani Walia, and she is a 17-year-old activator. We are going to dive into that position a little later, but I want to start off by telling you the one word that really came to mind after talking with Ruhani, and that is wise. She is so wise in her approach to her activism and nonprofit work, and I am so excited to share her perspective with you. So without further ado, let's get started. Hello, I'm Rahani. I'm 17, currently in 12th grade, and I'm really interested in figuring out how I can make the world a better place, as cliche as that sounds. And the way I do that is by learning about different types of emerging technologies and spending time learning about the root causes of some of the world's biggest problems. I've done some projects in blockchain specifically, uh, again, very much geared towards social good. So the, one of the first projects I did with blockchain actually was how can we use some of the methodologies to empower female economic and financial autonomy? And I did some work with nanotechnology and figuring out how do we make nuclear energy renewable. So a lot of the things I enjoy working on, the projects I do are things that I want to see in the world to make it hopefully a better place, a little bit better. And specifically what I'm here to talk about today is ending maternal uh, mortality or EMM for short M. And actually how I got involved with this project is a huge lesson, has been a huge lesson for me and is a really great example of people are everything. I feel like that gets tossed around a lot, that phrase, and a lot of people either lack the context to back it up or don't have the experience to back it up, or what's more common actually is don't express enough gratitude on a daily basis to realize when there are moments that do back up that statement. And so the way I got involved with M was through meeting a really good friend, uh, Isabella Grandich, and we met earlier this year. We had just started becoming friends uh, we would work on something called Boss Ladies, which is kind of an organization for women. And we got pretty close through that, and she was working on this, and she invited me onto the project. And that kind of serendipity, I think, kind of goes, is kind of undervalued. I think for there to be serendipity, you need to put yourself in a position to be lucky. And in order to be lucky, you need to surround yourself with like-minded, ambitious people. And Isabella is definitely an ambitious person. And so that's kind of how I got started with, with M. Before we get too far into this episode, I want to quickly explain blockchain to the best of my ability. Blockchain is basically a series of data transactions that can be transferred across different computers. It's far beyond my knowledge, and Rahani is a tech whiz, so she definitely knows about this much better than I do, but that's the basic idea. Rahani mentioned her work with Ending Maternal Mortality, or M which is the main project I wanted to talk with her about. I asked Rahani to tell me more about the mission and the background of this project, and this is what she shared with me. So ending maternal mortality is an intervention to basically distribute an existing solution. So something that really ruffles my feathers and makes me very annoyed is when things happen that shouldn't be happening. 
when there is blatant injustice or inequity. And there are 300, over 300,000 preventable deaths that occur every single year because of maternal mortality. And I say preventable because the solution already exists. This isn't an imminent issue for us in North America, Canada, the US, because we have access to the solution. Unfortunately, the people who need it the most, the ones who don't have access to healthcare centers or clean healthcare centers for that matter, are the ones suffering and they're dying and they don't need to be dying. And the solution is a drug called misoprostol. And so any maternal mortality hopes to distribute that drug, again, like I said, to the people who need it the most. Rahani is a self-proclaimed activator, which, as I told her, is a term that I haven't heard very often. I asked Rahani to tell me what it means to her to be an activator, and this is what she told me. So an activator is, is someone who takes initiative, very simply, is someone who says something and says they'll do it and, and does it. And even sometimes it, it's a bias towards action. So instead of continually ruminating over something, planning something, I'll do it when I'm X years old. It's, I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to do it tomorrow. Um, That is the activator mindset. And in how it kind of manifests is starting things. But I think like the the biggest barrier for anyone to kind of self-identify or um, feel comfortable identifying as an activator is, at least for young people, age. And something I've learned again and again, is I have to be the first person to overlook my age before I can expect anyone else to. And I think, you know, it's a parallel to what that cliche we hear all the time, you know, like, you have to put yourself first. If you can't, like, you can't expect others to do it, like put your own mask on before helping others. But I think in this case, like, it is very true. Like, you have to be the one to kind of put your money where your mouth is, especially if you're young. And being an activator as a young person kind of like doubles uh, the risk of the stereotype. It's you're starting something, the other side's perception is you're being rash. Uh, you're too naive. You don't know what you're doing. And that can very well be the case when you're activating because it does mean that you're spending more time doing than I would say planning. Though that's not always the case, but it can be. And so I think for young people, to be an activator is to kind of step outside of your comfort zone and feel comfortable starting something. And so to tie it back to, you know, ending maternal mortality, this is a huge problem. <laughs> this is one of the world's biggest problems. And it's a distribution issue, like issue. It's an education issue. And when you really think about it in simple terms, you have to start at the root cause. And anyone could do that. If you take the time to analyze big problems and boil it down to, okay, if I just fix this, 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 and this, it'll be better. And yes, that's very very simplified and and the project is much more complicated than that, but that's how it starts. And that's how the activator mindset starts is how do I figure out like what the the must-haves are, not the nice-to-haves. That's something that my friend Isabella says a lot that I think is incredibly intelligent is how do we just figure out what the bare minimum is to make this 10 times better? And once we have the confidence established in us that we can provide on those basic things, we can kind of expand to make it more fancy, add the frills, add the specific details. But at the end of the day, being an activator is taking the initiative to start something that you would put off until you're older or you would put off until you have X degree or Y degree or whatever excuse. 
After hearing Rahani, it's no surprise that she is taking initiative to work on ending maternal mortality right now. She has a website on which she discusses her goals and her mission as an activator. One of her goals is to promote clear communication. So I asked Rahani if she feels that there is a lack of communication in the movement against maternal mortality. And this was her answer. A hundred percent. I think, you know, to take it even one step further besides just clear communication is like simplicity. And so something I've heard again and again is, you know, brevity is the spice of life. And it's so true. I think it is an incredible sign of intelligence when you're able to take something incredibly complicated and explain it to someone like they're five and explain it in a way that's incredibly simple. And again, is just the the need to knows. And in the case of ending maternal mortality, I have calls with people from Nigeria multiple times every week. And having never been there, uh, because our pilot uh, ending maternal mortality is planning to pilot in Nigeria, our advisory board, some of them are on ground. And so we meet with them every week. And the perspective is so interesting. It's so cool to me that I have the technology available to talk to people who live and breathe this problem I'm trying to solve that I've never actually dealt with. And so it would be incredibly pretentious of me to say, oh, I understand what you're going through. I totally get it. I'm so passionate about this problem. Yes, I do have passion for it, but I could never know what it's actually like to lose a mother or lose a a sister who's given birth. I've, I've never been in that situation and I can't imagine it to an extent that'll give me enough of the compassion and perspective to solve this problem to the best of my abilities. And so having these calls is so incredibly important. It's absolutely vital that we gain the perspective. And how this ties back to simplicity is it's very easy to look at other people's problems and see them as black and white. It's very easy to simplify other people's issues because you lack the context. So for example, like in the US, gun control, someone from like the UK might be like, oh, they just need better laws. But if you ask anyone from the States, they're going to say, no, it's, it's way more complicated than that. There's politics involved. There's social issues involved. But the lack of context makes it so easy to simplify. And it's the same thing in, in our case. The reason we have these calls so often and the reason we reach out to experts and people who've done PhD theses on our topic or uh, public health officials from like the UNFPA or the UN who've worked on ground in countries within Africa is because they have the context. And so for us to come in and kind of simplify maternal mortality is, oh, they don't have access to a drug, therefore we will give them the drug. And that's the solution. No, it's, it's far more complicated than that. And that's kind of why our project has like these two tiers, which are logistics and training. And that kind of goes back to the education piece I mentioned on the training front specifically. So we're training these midwives called traditional birth attendants who are extremely trusted and especially in Nigeria, trust within community is a huge, huge thing, not at all similar to what it's like for us here in Canada and Toronto. And so again, perspective. But we're training these midwives, again, because they're trusted to take on this new project, learn how to deliver a child specifically for preventing postpartum hemorrhaging, which is the leading cause of maternal mortality. And that's the training leg. But if you looked at the problem from that black and white perspective, again, missing drug, let's give them the drug. You wouldn't think about the training or the education involved culturally. And the part that I work on, logistics, is far more complicated than just, let's just get them the drug. There are, there's existing infrastructure you have to involve. 
You have to involve certain stakeholders to make them feel more accepting of the intervention. You have to consider that some people aren't a fan of westernized medicine or aren't a fan of technology or phones. And a great analogy I think of sometimes is, like I came onto this project thinking, oh my gosh, blockchain, perfect solution to supply chain. I'm gonna use blockchain to get everyone this drug. And now I'm working with paper. I'm figuring out how do I get these people prescriptions on paper. And again, it's the perspective. My blockchain solution might have worked really well if this was an issue in Toronto, but it's not. And I wouldn't have learned that had I not had the calls. And the way that we get this perspective is through having that clear communication. And I think a big part of clear communication is having consistent communication. You have to iterate again and again. Like what I'm working on now, the version of a model I'm working on now is completely different than what it was like two weeks ago. So things change very quickly. And the only reason that's possible is because we have people to provide us the perspective and we have the ability to, okay, I completely understand what you're saying. Let me clarify and then iterating. And that's all based on clear communication. Rohani mentioned having calls with people in Nigeria to better understand their perspective as she works on combating their problems. Another one of her life goals is to gain unique knowledge from unique experiences. I asked her to tell me more about how these calls and her efforts to reach out to people on the ground have provided new perspectives for her activism. Yeah, I think perspective is everything. I think if you're not seeking perspective, and it doesn't have to be on as big of a scale as this, you know, phoning people across the world. It might just be like really listening to like the people in your household, right? Like it doesn't have to be something of huge, like a huge magnitude. It could be something really small, like listening to your teachers, listening to your friends, your family. But the piece there is you have to really listen. And the purpose of gaining perspective is almost to iron out your own biases, at least identify what they are, figure out, okay, I tend to be insecure about this one thing. I wonder why. But even getting to that question in the first place requires a level of self-awareness and even before that, a willingness to become self-aware. And the only way to become self-aware, again, a big part of it at least, yes, part of it is retrospection, but the other is talking to other people and kind of sifting through what you hear about yourself. And that's not to say you should create an image of yourself based off of what you hear from other people, but it is to say you have to consider the perspectives of other people because sometimes they can see things that you do not. And that's just in the case of you know personal identity. In the case of problems like ending maternal mortality, where perspective is the basis of everything that we do, we learn everything we need to know about, will this actually be accepted? Do people even want this problem to be solved? Are there more people who need this problem to exist than need it to not exist? Those are real questions we have to ask. And at first glance, it seems, well, yeah, obviously people are dying unnecessarily. Women are dying, mothers are dying, children are left without someone to care for them. Obviously, there are more people who need it to be gone, but that might not be the case. And the reason we can confirm that it isn't that that is the case, that there are more people who want it to be gone is because we've taken the trouble of talking to people. We've talked to community leaders and people who understand the politics of the issue. And even besides, you know, ending maternal mortality, in the case of being an activator and starting any project, you need to get people on board. You can't do everything by yourself. And kind of what I mentioned earlier, like people are everything, who you know is everything. And surrounding yourself with the right people gives you the ability to be lucky or whatever be lucky is, to have 
a serendipitous moment. And the only way that happens is if you're willing to consider the perspectives of others. Everyone needs to be heard. Everyone needs to feel valued at the, you know, as a basic human desire is we all want to feel heard and loved and appreciated. And there shouldn't really ever be a reason for that to not be the case. And I think as you mature and, and grow more patient with listening to other people, and even specifically like engaging with people who you disagree with most of the time, really broadens your kind of train of thought and what you're able to accept versus not accept. So something I do that I found that's kind of like a good action item to the listeners is following Twitter accounts that you completely disagree with. I was talking to this uh, about this with a friend the other day. There's an account that I follow that is extremely bold and harsh that I rarely agree with the things that they tweet. But I love seeing what they tweet because I always feel this cognitive dissonance. I always feel like, oh, like this makes me uncomfortable. I don't know if I agree with you, but like seeing it every day is such a great thought exercise. Some is like brain gymnastics of forcing yourself to empathize with someone else and understand where they're coming from, even if it's not your immediate reaction. So after hearing all of Rahani's wise words, I was so excited to ask her my favorite question. What advice do you most want to share with young people who want to make a difference around the world? Something I think is important to note is solving a problem sounds really sexy. Like, oh my gosh, I'm going to end poverty. Like, that sounds amazing. No one can deny it. That sounds amazing. But a lot of the work that actually goes into solving the things that we consider amazing is really unsexy. Like some of the work that you have to do is very uninteresting or something you like have to will yourself to do. And a lot of that unsexy work is like hidden. But I think that's the most important work. And so like a really brief example from our project specifically is like sending emails even. So like I said, we meet with people from Nigeria almost every week. And specifically with our advisory, I send them emails like clockwork here's an agenda of what we're going to talk about. Here's what we're up to. Can you read this and give us feedback this weekend and keeping them in the loop? And that's unsexy. <laughs> like no one thinks, ooh, emails. I'm so excited. And like wake up in the morning, excited to like log into your Gmail and respond to everything. Like no, no one is excited about emails, but it's what keeps our project running. It's what keeps the machine well oiled. And it's the small, consistent things that really pay off. So like even updates to other people across the board or continually reaching out every week to new people to get on your advisory board or to get feedback from or writing articles about things you've learned that you might not even publish, but just writing to figure out if you know enough about it and if you've learned about it. And so my like words of wisdom <laughs> would be you have to really embrace the complexity of the problem you're dealing with and not fall in love with just creating a solution. You can't fall in love with a solution without first falling in love with all the unsexy bits that you have to deal with first. And I think people who really stick it out and who really end up seeing some sort of activation with what they've started and actually following through on it years later or months later are the people who appreciate the hard work and appreciate the need for discipline when you know motivation runs dry. And so I would say discipline is something that is absolutely necessary. You can't run a project just on passion. Big changes will come eventually, but you have to start with the unsexy work. Whether it's sending emails, phone banking, or doing other forms of busy work, 
those small, consistent things will pay off in the form of large-scale change eventually. While the media covers and history remembers the final product of social movements and activism, it is all of the -the behind-the-scenes work that really counts in the end. While it might be frustrating at times and you may not always feel the power of your actions, keep up the hard work because change comes when you do the unsexy work. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and you can follow Rouhani on Instagram at rouhani.walia to connect with her and learn more about her work. I also posted the link to the Ending Maternal Mortality website in the description of this episode. If you want to talk about anything I mentioned, please reach out to me by email at lily at bethechangepodcast.org or on Instagram at bethechangepodcast. Tune in for my next episode. But until then, be the change you wish to see in the world. Bye, guys.